0: Well, this morning, uh, as you sit down, we have a guest preacher who really isn't a stranger to a lot of you, Uh, Jay Nicholas, who's preaching this morning. He used to be a pastor here on staff, and I know some of you remember him. Uh, I think it was between 2011, 2014, for four years he was here helping us plant churches, and so much good came out of that, and he'll share more about that. Uh, But I'm just grateful. Thank you, Jay, for coming here and being willing to preach. Uh, Shelly was here first service. His wife found out next Saturday they are celebrating 39 years of marriage, All right? You know, whenever I mention that, I notice the single people don't clap. And, and it's because you guys just don't know. You don't know what 39 years costs, okay? And I don't either, but I know 13 years of it. It's not, you know, so I'm clapping in my heart. Uh, they have three daughters four grandchildren, and just like anybody that ever speaks, uh, once you have grandchildren, that he's going to probably mention them. I don't know. Uh, grandparents act like grandkids are better than kids. So uh, I'm just really grateful. Thank you for preaching. I got to sit in first service, so I know uh, you're in to hear God's heart behind Acts 16. So I'm going to give you a hug and Thanks, let brother. you get to it. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Pastor Jack. One thing I can... Uh, Say about your pastor is he loves God, he loves his wife, he loves his children, and he loves you. It is very, very evident, and I appreciate you guys, you and Courtney, and your whole family. So thanks for, thanks for inviting me back. This doesn't happen usually. Whenever I go somewhere, I only get to preach one time, Um, and (laughs) what I've heard is like, man, you know, when you came, yeah, we kind of heard it all, and. it's like, wow, man, I didn't, what a compliment. You know, they heard everything they could possibly hear from me. So, so this is a treat to, to be able to actually come back uh, somewhere. And, um, you know, I really do appreciate the, the guys or whoever responsible for the five-hour energies um, back there before I speak. Um, I really appreciate that too. So, um, yeah. Hey, here we go this morning. I want to talk a little bit about remaining on mission and when I say that I have to kind of do some parenthetical uh, observations is that I'm not trying to convince you Grace Community Church to stay on mission because I know you get it Um, we've done this together you've been on mission ever since this church was started And um, man, what a privilege and what an honor Um, it has been to be on mission with you and to be back here um, and to encourage you, not to convince you, but to encourage you to continue to remain on mission. Okay, so what would you say is the mission of the following organizations? For instance, number one, the mission of American Airlines, what would you say is the mission of American Airlines. I, I, I think I got this one. The mission of American Airlines is to make people as miserable as possible by seating them in the smallest spaces possible. Okay, those of you who fly frequently said amen, um, or oh my. What would you say is the mission of McDonald's? Kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got this one, too. The mission of McDonald's is to feed people really bad food that tastes really good. <laughs> okay, how about this one? What would you say is the mission of Facebook? Okay, all right. I looked this one up, too. The mission of Facebook is to help people make their lives look so much better than what they really are. Right? Okay, here's a good one. What would you say is the mission of the U.S. government? No, 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 we, we won't go there. We won't, we won't go there. Just, just, just seeing if you're, you're with me this morning. What about this one? Last one. What would you say is the mission of the church? And, and i got to tell you that this is one that I work with a lot because in helping train and coach and develop church planters, um the the people who actually lead the charge are the point people for starting new churches. um this is one of the things that that I help them work through. And I got to tell you, I've heard some doozies of mission statements in my life. I mean, time does not allow us. The two hours that we have here together. Um, Uh, this morning does not allow me to to really go into this, but there's one particular mission statement that stands out to me probably the most and and made me kind of stop in my tracks because it was articulated by an 11-year-old pastor son in a small group who, upon hearing the rest of the people of the, of the group shared their thoughts, he politely raised his hand, and whenever I acknowledged him, he says, I think the mission of the church is to make people nice. Hmm, yeah. And I gotta tell you, I, as I think about that, I, I, I couldn't at the time, and I still can't help but wonder how many people both inside the church and outside the church, think that making people nice really is the mission of the church. What would you say is the mission of the church? I believe that the mission or the marching orders of the church involves nothing less than the redemption of every person who is lost. In Luke 19:10 Jesus says this. He leaves no doubt about his own mission when he states this, for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. In John 3:17 Jesus again proclaims, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This was Jesus' mission. And and Right before he ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples. He had walked on the earth for, for 40 days after he was resurrected. And just before he was ready to ascend back into heaven, he gathered his, his disciples and he said to, this to, to them, he gathered them and, and he reminded them of their ongoing God-ordained assignment before he left. And he said this, As the Father has sent me, to seek and save the lost. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you. Every church that communicates the gospel of Jesus Christ and every person who has ever experienced the new birth in Christ, salvation has been enlisted, if you will, in the mission that Jesus proclaimed. We are the sent ones, which literally means that it comes from the word apostle. Um, and I'm not saying we're all apostles. Uh, there's some churches that are really into that, and they call themselves apostles and, and what have you. I've been called a whole lot worse, trust me. Um, But there still is an apostolic ministry. There is this this idea that that we're all sent ones. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are a sent one. Jesus is saying, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Let me state it as clearly and as boldly and as loudly. No, not as loudly. I'll be quiet. I'll, I'll I'll be nice. But as clearly and as boldly as I possibly can. The mission of the church is far greater than just making people nice. The mission of the church is to make people new, not just nice. And it's nice to be nice, isn't it? Yeah. I'm a nice guy. My name's Jay. I'm your friend. Uh, in spite of my reputation, I am a pretty nice guy. My wife has, has lived with me for 39 years. That says something, right? <laughs> Poor lady, I tell you. Um, she lived in one place all her life until she met me. <laughs> but man, have we had a journey. We've lived so many lifetimes together, and I love you more now than I ever have. Thank you, Shelley. Every church that is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and every person who has experienced the new birth in Christ has been enlisted in this mission of redemption, of seeking and saving the lost. And as I said before, I know, I know here at Grace Community Church, I know that you get it. I know that you believe in and are actively involved in God's mission, and I've personally had the privilege and the honor of being on mission with you. So I'm not here to try to convince you of it, but I am here to try to encourage you to remain on mission, because Here's what I know. Life, life is, I don't care what anybody says, life is tough. Life is difficult. And and life has this insidious way of, of kind of creating situations and circumstances that interrupt and interfere with us completing and accomplishing this mission that God has given us. Would you agree? I mean, especially these last 18 months. Man, life has thrown us some curbs, hasn't it? And here's what I also know. Even our own sinful, selfish nature has a way of wanting to choose our own personal preferences above this God-ordained mission. And not only that, there is an evil one whose name is Satan, who has his own minions who targets people like us in so many ways to try to thwart this mission from ever occurring. We've got a target on our back. But here's the good news, God's got our back, doesn't he? He's got our back. Let's face it, there are many times when it's so much easier to just kind of due to circumstances, situations, To push the pause button, if you will, instead of the play button when it comes to being on mission. But here's what I've noticed. In this past year, do do you realize, some experts have said that this last year, over 8,000 churches in the United States of America closed their doors for the very last time. 8,000 churches. This year... The expectation is for that to double. By the end of 2021, over 16,000 churches will say, that's it. No more. We're done. Here's what I've noticed. The churches, even over these past 18 months, who've pushed the pause button of being on mission, those churches are either really, really struggling just to survive, many of them, have died I've seen it happen but the churches who have said no matter what no matter what we're gonna push the play button no matter what happens to us no matter what happens around us we are still called to be on mission and it's those churches by the way you're bucking the trend just the fact that that you're here and this many people are here most the vast majority of churches in the United States are only hitting around 30 to 40% of in-person attendance that they had prior to COVID. You're bucking the trend. Dude, you're doing something right. I mean, you know, I I don't care what everybody's been saying about you. You're doing something right. No, no, just, just kidding. You're bucking the trend. Why? Because I believe you are pushing the play button of being on mission and remaining on mission. But here's what I know. That if you're not careful, and if you're not intentional, you could very easily slip back into a mode where you think you're on mission, but you're really not. So what's the secret of remaining on mission? What's the secret of, of, of being able to stay focused and to continue to, to be on mission? even in the midst of the most uncertain and difficult circumstances. Well, in the 16th chapter of Acts, one of my favorite passages, one of my favorite, well, I call them one of my favorite church-planting passages. In the 16th chapter of Acts, there was a team headed up by none other than the Apostle Paul. Can you, can you imagine being on his team? I mean, man, you know, I, he'd, he'd probably just, yeah, you know, he, I don't know. Probably pretty crazy to, to be under, but can you imagine to be on his team? None other than the Apostle Paul himself headed up this team. And let me tell you, this was no ordinary team. The starting lineup was, number one, the Apostle Paul. He was, he was the lead on this team. There was Silas. There was young Timothy. And then every team has to have its team doctor, and that was Luke. They were together. This was no B team, mind you, in fact, if there were ever an A-team, this was it. How, how many of you ever? How many remember the TV show The A-team? Anybody? Can I see your hands? Bless you, bless you. Yes, yeah. Remember The A-team? I mean, they had the ability to take a piece of bubble gum in the wrapper and make a car out of it. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was just crazy, you know? And all of that was based on true stories, by the way. We know that. Um, this was the real A-team. And these guys were phenomenal. This team was carrying out the mission of seeking and saving the lost in the early church. And it was working. Everywhere these guys went, as as God's messengers, as God's ambassadors, as as God's witnesses, as Christ's witnesses, people were being made new. Crazy, isn't it? When we obey and, and we communicate the gospel and we engage people, hey guys, Jesus is still saving people. And and, and the very ones that you think are the least likely to come to Christ are the ones that God just smiles about and says, I'm working on her. I'm working on him. I got this. They're coming to me. You just obey me. And that's exactly what was happening. People were being made new. And of the people that were being made new, churches were started. And those people were being discipled. Those people were, were being built into disciples and leaders. And then they, too, were being sent out for this mission. One of the, in one of the communities, this A-team was accused, literally, of turning their world upside down. <laughs> I, I can remember a few years back sitting in a restaurant here locally when I think is by the time the Lord had allowed us to start our third church in about maybe 4 or 5 years and and um, there were a couple of gentlemen talking about Grace Community Church and they're saying those guys are starting churches everywhere man I tell you, what was they're going to be starting a church in Peabody you know and, and, and how many of you know where Peabody is bless you how many of you live in Peabody anybody Yes, bless you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But it was working, guys, and it was working here. Why? Because we were staying on mission. We were remaining on mission. Let's pick up this A team. Let's pick up the story here in Luke, or excuse me, in Acts chapter sixteen, verses six through ten. The Holy Spirit is prompting. The Doctor Luke to write these words, and here's what he says: Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. It must have been pretty cold there. That's the only thing I can think of. Sorry, I didn't say it. Of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, or actually Asia. This was this was not Asia as we know it now, but rather this was a Roman province. If there were ever a team that knew how to remain on mission, it was the A-team of Acts 16. And so, for the next few minutes that we have together, I want us to look at just four ways that this A-team remained on mission. Let's let's go. You ready? The first way that this A-team demonstrates or shows us how to remain on mission is their pursuits. Their activities, everything they did was purposeful. In other words, there is an intentionality about the way these guys lived and what they did. Nothing was arbitrary. They, had a, they just had a pinpoint focus. They knew what they were called to do, and they literally went out and did it. They remained on mission Because there was an intentionality about their actions. They lived on purpose. They did not allow themselves to simply just go through the motions. Every day was another day to press on toward the goal. i I, got to tell you, um, Philippians, in fact, when when they went into Macedonia uh, to the region... They went. One of the first places they went was to Philippi. Remember who the, one of the, the, the very first convert was? Lydia. Lydia was the first convert. And I love how Luke says that she came to Christ. Um, Paul and Silas, were, were, they went to a, a, a place of prayer, and the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the message. We knew that God was work. In In Philippians... I love Philippians chapter 3 where Paul says, this was his manifesto. He says, I press on to take hold of the reason that Christ took hold of me. And I haven't done it yet, but this one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I press on toward the mark. I reach for what's ahead. I strain for what's ahead and I press on. The word, that, that phrase there literally means to pursue. That's what these guys did. Every day they pursued. I have a routine. Um... That, that I don't really talk about, my wife knows, Shelly knows about it, but every morning, the first thing I do, when I open my eyes, I have my Bible set, this is an iPad, but I have my Bible on it, it's legit, okay, alright, um, and I have, I have my Bible open, one of my Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12-14, through 14, and it's the first thing I read every day, to remind me, press on press on towards the goal. You have a purpose. And I tell you, five months ago, I didn't know that that was necessarily going to be true anymore. Some of you, and many of you prayed for me. Um, I had come down with COVID, developed pneumonia really, really fast, and it was not looking good. Uh, in fact, I heard one of the doctors, one of my doctors, I um, had four doctors working on my case, and uh, I couldn't hardly breathe. It was just, it was sad, and those of you who have lost family, lost loved ones for COVID, oh God, I, I'm so sorry. I really am. I, 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 know, I know what that feels like, and I was almost one of them, and one of the doctors um, was outside my room. The door was cracked, and, and she was talking to Um, several of the attendants and nurses who were were helping on my case. And she said, this is Mr. Nicholas's room. Um, His pneumonia is very severe. We're really not sure if he's going to pull out of it. More than likely not. Um, And so his room will probably be available fairly soon. And I'm like, hello, McFly! I mean... I'm here. I can hear you. I know you got me all drugged up and everything, but I heard that. <laughs> I didn't have a vision. I didn't dream this. I heard that, and and so you know, it's just one of those moments. Many of you probably have, have had a, an experience like that, but it's like you know, God, by your grace, you're, you live in me, and I'm ready to go. But you know, God, I I really don't want to go yet. And you know what? He answered that prayer by the grace of God. I don't know why some are no longer here, and I am, but I'll tell you this. The life that I now live, I'm going to live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not done yet, and neither are you, because there's breath. And some of you are are looking for something. Something. You're just saying, man, I, I, I just, I don't know, something is missing. And I want to tell you something. For so many Christians, you know what's missing? It's being on mission. Jesus has a mission for you. And if, if you really want to help figuring that out, come and talk to me after the service. I'm not kidding, I'd love to help you with that. Come and talk to, to your pastor. These guys lived on purpose. They were on a mission from God that was bigger than anything the Blues brothers ever did, okay? Boy, that one really dated me. I know, I got, I got it. That's okay. Their pursuits were very purposeful. They worked together as a team. They, there, there were no Lone Rangers. They worked together as a team. They traveled together as a team. <laughs> By the way, here's just a little commercial. We'll push a pause button right there. Here's a commercial for a team that we're putting together right now. Um, God has, has prompted Shelly and I to kind of make some choices, um, and one of those choices is to come back here to Kansas and to live <laughs> and to be on mission with you guys again. Um, you thought you got rid of me, didn't you? <laughs> Man, I can't think of any other group that I want to work with than you guys. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. And now we've got four other churches to work together with us. And so we're putting a team together right now, similar to what we've done in the past. We call them tap teams. And no, they're not, you know, the the tapping with with the shoes. Although that's kind of cool if you ask me. And by the way, that hillbilly remark, I really resent that because that's my family, dude, okay? I mean... (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> but we're putting together a tap team, and TAP it stands for this Target Analysis Process, and and what it looks like, what it consists of. We did this several years ago when we had church planting residents here. Um, man, Janelle, you remember this? I bothered you like crazy, man. You poor lady. I, and she's still here. She can handle it. Um, but we put together these teams, we call them tap teams, and we would send these, these teams out to go research and, and to um, look at the fields, where they were ripe. And, and, it, and it's somewhat entailed, but you, man, you talk about an awesome process. We're putting a team together to do that again, to discern where is God calling us To start the next church. where Actually, first and foremost, where is God calling us to communicate the gospel to those who are lost and then start churches from those who respond? Because that's what this A-team was doing, and that's what we're doing as well. And we're going to do it again. And by God's grace, again, 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 and again. And if that's something that you would be interested in, or something that you'd like more information about? Would you do this? Would you just write your name on a, on a connection card and put it in the box, or come and give it to me after service? I'll hang out up here. Um, Jack will probably hang out up here. If you want to talk about it, I'd love, because I've prayed for you already that God is stirring hearts, and even in the first service, some people came up and said, I want to know more about that. I'd, I'd really like to talk to you about maybe being on that team. Now, we don't have Paul to lead it. You'll have a much... Uh, inferior person leading that which is myself and I got to tell you that's another decision I, I've been coaching and training and equipping church planters and I've been jealous of every one of them that were sent out man, I want in on the action again. I want to get back on the front lines and and know what it's like to struggle, but to to do it together with the team. There's nothing like being together with the team where you're united in purpose and in spirit, and we're listening to to God, and, and man, we get new stories and new experiences to see where God's at work and what he's going to do. And by the grace of God, we're going to do it again, and many of you are going to be involved in that just like this A-team was. Man, the first thing they had, their pursuits were purposeful. The second thing that these guys did is they remained on mission because their planning was flexible. Their planning was adjustable. Notice what the Scripture says in verse 6 and 7. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is a very intriguing passage. I mean, here's this A-team remaining on mission, and and notice what happens to them. Here they are. They're God's A-team going out as ambassadors, messengers, witnesses of Christ's Of of Christ. Of Christ. Only one Christ, okay? Um, and, And they're... Attempting to go to regions where people need Christ. Where people are lost. And the Holy Spirit stops them in their tracks. And says, no. Don't go there. Wait a minute. How does that work? Did you know that there were places where Jesus had to pass by? Why? Because people didn't have enough faith because the ground was so hard. Not even Jesus himself. Jesus himself said he could do no good work there. No major work there. And he had to pass it by. Other times, even these guys, this A team, they had to pass by some places to go to other places because the timing wasn't right. You know that happened to us when we planted, when God allowed us to help plant the church in Hillsboro, the, 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 the church in Mound Ridge, the, the church in um, Park City, now the church in La- Did you know that, that God stopped us? When I first got here, some of you um, remember some of those times. When I first got here, man, I made a beeline for Wichita. That's where the people were, man. I mean, we're going to start a church in Mays. We're going to start one over on the east side. I mean, we're going to go north, south, east, west. And I remember going with, with Dave and Marilyn Reimer. They, they took Shelly and I, got us in the car. We went at night. And so Dave and Marilyn were showing us like all the nightclubs that they, they went to, you know, during the night and stuff. In just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Nah. They just showed us all around. We we're just thinking, yeah, Wichita, Wichita, Wichita. And I've got to tell you, man, the Holy Spirit just said, No. No, that's what was happening to these guys. Have, have you ever had that happen? The Holy Spirit says no, because He does say no sometimes. He said no to us. I've got a better idea. I want you to go to the metropolis of Hillsboro, <laughs> and people thought we were nuts. Now, admit it, some of you. Yeah, some of you know I'm nuts. But um, people were like, "Man, Hillsboro? Are, are you kidding me?" And then Moundridge. I mean, what good can come out of Mound Ridge, right? You know, <laughs> there's no Mound Ridge people here, right? So yeah, know I love those people. Awesome. And God did some amazing things, didn't He? Even in these small places, He had a reason. And then, and then some of you remember, mean, we were, were trying to figure out where's the next place that we go. And, and we thought we had it all figured out. We thought we had the people to do it. And God changed our plans i love the passage in proverbs 16 9 it says in his heart a man makes his plans but god determines his steps god knows what he's doing doesn't he and and, and i remember compassion international had had called me and they said hey Jay, we've kind of gotten word that you're a guy that that is kind of a uh, an evangelist type and that you love starting churches. We love children, and we've identified some some areas, some impoverished areas where we think if we work together and partner together, that God, it, it may do something really, really neat for the kingdom of God. And so, some of you went, many of you went. Um, I invited every pastor in FEC that I possibly could, and all the bigwigs you know, from the, from the office. And um, we went. We went to Bolivia. And, and here was the thing that some of you don't know, is that Compassion International, they told me, they said, Jay, um, we don't think this is going to work. We can't do this. And here's why. is because the Kansas churches were the only churches in FEC that says, we're in. We want to do this. We want to help start a church in Bolivia. We want to sponsor children. And the Compassion International people said, you're too small. And, and here's what topped it all off for me. And come on, Jay, it's Kansas. Oh, when they said that. Oh, man. It's just like, we'll show you. And I'll tell you, I don't know if RJ and Marianne are here, RJ Tippin. That man was phenomenal. And I'll tell you, that man, I'd be on his team. I'd follow him. I'd be on his team any day of the week. He was phenomenal. And I've probably been remiss not telling him that. But we went to Bolivia, and you and our other Kansas Synergy churches raised $77,000. We planted a church there. Not only that... But we sponsored 221 children, which Compassion International says, this doesn't happen in these small of churches. It just doesn't happen. And I said, yeah, you don't know Kansas. <laughs> How many of you here this morning um, have sponsored a child through Compassion Inter- International? Oh, God, thank you, guys. Do you understand what God has done through you? Do you understand... How those children and their families and their communities, their lives are totally and radically changed forever. And hundreds of them have come to Christ, have been made new because you obeyed, because you stayed on mission, because your pursuits were purposeful and your planning was adjustable. How do we do this? How do we find the next place? Because this is what we're doing. And by the way, did I tell you guys about this tap team that we're putting together? Um, I'm going to lead it, and I know that scared a lot of people off, um, but some of the crazy ones that you might want to be, I don't, did I tell you about that? Or, okay, anyway. Um, we're going to do this again. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to ask God to guide our plans, and we'll write those plans in pencil. We'll step out in faith, and we'll trust God to determine our steps. The third thing that this A-team shows us is they remained on mission because their perseverance, their, their patience, if you will, same, same word, very synonymous in the Bible, was expandable. Notice what happens in verse 8 of this text. This is, this is, a, this is a really big deal here. It says... In verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. I, I never really understood this, and it never really came out to me until just a few years ago when I read this again. It's like, wait a minute. They had to pass by. This was an intentional pass. They had to pass by a specific place in order to get to the place where God wanted them. And here's the principle. I am convinced That God calls specific people to specific places at specific times and helps them develop specific plans. I am convinced of that. In fact, Paul would later tell the philosophers at the Aragopus in Athens, he would say, he would get up and he would say, I walked around, I saw your inscription to an unknown God. I'm going to tell you who that God is. I'm going to make him known to you. And one of, the, one of the attributes, one of the things that Paul says about this known God is he's the one that puts people in specific places. See, some of you are in Newton, Kansas. Not because of your choice, but because of God's choice. You're here for a reason. It's no accident. God moves people around. And you are here at this time to remain on mission, and to turn your world upside down. And I'm going to tell you something. It's happening already. I know it looks bleak out there, but where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. There's never been a greater opportunity for people to come to Christ than today. And it's happening. And we get to be in on it. We get to do it. These guys had to pass by certain areas. You see, in order to choose the right area, you have to pass by certain areas. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because sometimes in people's hearts and in in communities, the ground is so hard, if you try to plant a seed, and listen, I grew up in the Midwest, and I worked on farms. I'm not a farmer, but I played one on TV, okay? Um, But I know this. I know this much is that when that ground's hard, you better not plant. What do you got to do? You got to plow. There's a big difference between church plowing and church planting. By the way, I'm writing a book on that. (laughs) Church plowing and church planting are very, very different. If you're going to plant a seed, that ground has to be fertile. And so when this TAP team goes out, when this A team went out, and our TAP team goes, we're looking for fertile soil. We're looking for where God's at work drawing people to himself. Remember what Jesus told his disciples? I'm sending you out to places where others have done the hard work, and you're going to reap the harvest. Guys, that is church planting. That is church planting. Church planting is a whole different thing. Sometimes the timing is not right. It's interesting to know that, that, the, that these guys, this A-team, they went back to some of the places that they passed by. I kind of wonder if that's not going to happen here again. We passed by several places. Our our tap teams did. We're going to look at those places again. It very well could be that it, it took certain circumstances, maybe COVID itself, to prepare people's hearts to hear the message of the gospel, to respond, and to be made new, to get their names written in the book of life and depopulate hell just that much more. Their perseverance expanded. It grew. They learned how to wait on God. But here we go. They waited on God, but the last thing, the last thing that we see about these guys that demonstrated how to remain on mission was (laughs) their passion was incredible. Their passion was incredible. Luke tells us, says, That Paul has this vision, and by the way, Paul had vision before he ever had this vision. Does that make sense? You know, true vision that comes from God is characterized by three things. Number one, it it is authentic vision originates in the revealed word of God. If someone has a vision and it doesn't line up with the scriptures, it is not of God, Okay? Secondly, it also involves God's redemptive purposes. And thirdly, it's born in people who have a relationship with God. That was Paul. And and he had this vision of this man of Macedonia. And a lot of times we try to put the emphasis on that, and, and probably rightly so. But you know what impresses me more is the next statement. After Paul had the vision, Luke says, We waited around... We formed three committees, had 25 meetings over the next 16 days, and decided whether or not this really was what we're supposed to do. Oh, God help us. No. We got ready at once and concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel. Here's what's going to be really cool, guys, and, hey, I'm just about done. I always quit when I'm through, and I'm just about through, okay? Okay. Hold on, hold on. We're we're bringing it home right here. It's going to be cool hearing the updates of this tap team that some of you are going to be a part of. And and we're going to be telling you, hey, here's we're looking at McPherson, we're looking at Manhattan, we're looking at Bucksnort, Missouri, or wherever God leads us. And, and, and you're going to follow along, and you're going to be praying for open doors and open eyes for this tap team. And we're going to come, and then we're going to celebrate. Remember when we did this earlier? I mean, there's about 100 people that, that you know, went into the fireside room, and, and, and the tap team, the latest one was with Caleb and Paul. And some of you came to that, and they described how they saw God at work, And they said, This is where we're going to go plant. And we celebrated. And that's a new church. And I I don't know how many people have come to Christ, but was it worth it? You better believe it. If only one person has come to Christ, and there have been multiple people, think about how many people have come to Christ through this church, not just here, but through the churches that have been planted who are seeking and saving the lost, who they themselves are remaining. You set the tone. Pastor Dave Reimer set the tone. That guy was nuts. I don't, and, and I'm telling you, they're in FEC, they were literally betting on how long Dave would be able to put up with me. Seriously. You want to you know something? Man, Dave Reimer's another guy that I'd follow him anywhere. I'd listen to him. I got news for you. The pastor that succeeded him is just as good. Just a little younger. Yeah? Guys, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Joshua said it this way. Consecrate yourselves. Because tomorrow, the Lord is going to do great things among you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had this morning. Just to Exhort, encourage, challenge. Ah oh, man, it's so good to be it's so good to be alive. Be with friends, people who want to remain on mission. God would you just set us apart? Here we are. dangerous prayer. send us, O oh Lord, and may all the glory go to you in your name we pray. Amen.